Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. News. I'm Randall James, and I've been reading. With me is Tyler Kamstra. Hi, everybody. And Random Pal. Evening. All right, so it's the news episode. Uh, Tyler, what are we going to talk about tonight? Well, we've got three big items we want to hit today. We want to talk about Absalom's City of Lost Omens. We're going to talk about Mordenkainen's Monsters of the Multiverse. And we're going to talk about the 2022 gaming convention circuit. Okay, that all sounds exciting. So we got a little bit of PF2. A little bit of maybe a bit too early 5e. Uh, <laughs> a little bit then... of Monica. By my... Oh, no. Wait, sorry. Um, <laughs> one of these is definitely going to be for the, the smaller dedicated crowd, perhaps even smaller within that, that smaller dedicated crowd. The Absalom book is really good if you want to use it to learn more about the setting. The two of them have played far more Pathfinder than I have, uh, or Pathfinder 2 anyway, but the thing that struck me as I was reading this is it is 400-plus pages of straight lore with exactly one character option unless you include a small table of drugs as a character option, in which case it's two character options. But yeah, there's a new race, <laughs> and that's it. Literally everything else is just pieces about Absalom, which is cool, but, you know, it's... It's, uh, it's definitely not something that you're going to pick up as a casual player. Yeah, so, so PF2, right, they have the idea of, like, ancestries, uh, and we get one new ancestry. Tyler, do you want to talk about it? Yeah, uh, so they're, they're called the Azarkedi, and they're an aquatic humanoid that lives in and around Absalom. Basically, picture a person with webbed feet and hands. So, like, Michael Phelps, but, like, more okay uh, apparently they've got a long history in the setting of being oppressed in various ways so they're you know that's built into their ancestry lore and they have they've existed in pf1 for a long time but i don't know that they've ever been explored in a ton of depth so 
there's not a lot here to go on, but there are some, you know, ancestry feats and it does give you one more fun ancestry option to explore. Okay, cool. And then also some drugs. Also some drugs. Yes. So drugs are a, just a variety of item in PF2. They're in the core rule book. They're in several of the other books. So like, it's not a huge surprise that there's some local drugs that you can peruse. There's a couple of weapons in there. Nothing super like nothing super stand out. Nothing that's really going to upset your game, but just some cool local flavor. Yeah, I, I so my takeaway in in reading through the book is I thought they did an amazing job of giving you a rich, you know, I don't know what to call it, a city state, a nation, nation state, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's call it a city state. They they give you this rich history of a city state with both kind of the history of its government and the trials and tribulations that come with. And then they also highlight the absolute stupidity of the historical government, all the shenanigans it gets them in. There's lots of there's lots of corruption. Speaking of like drugs being on the streets <laughs> and this sort of thing, uh, you know they highlight particular regions that are like you know lawless or at least turn a blind eye towards violating this law or that law. But I really felt like one of the things that drew my eye that I immediately started thinking about. Okay, what would you campaign around this? You know they have um, what were they called like the the yeah the the different lords groups so you have spell lords and what the spell lords do is they regulate magic in the city so you've got like the american dental association equivalent regulating magic schools <laughs> saying how many you know how many different folks can we have of, of magic users coming out you could have really cool stories just built around that one little bit and all the corruption that would come from having a group of people who get to regulate magic I have to say, this is one of the things that Paizo has always done very well, is they have always said, okay, we're not going to try and, like, do a bunch of settings, you know, we're, we're not going to Greyhawk and Eberron and Faerun, we're just, we have Galarian, and we are going to invest a lot into making Galarian very cool. And they have continued that trend here. This is actually, I mean, a, a yet another running joke is, um, as we would finish a section in Rise of the Rune Lords, inevitably one or two of my players would ask, and by the way, do you have five pages of lore that you want to read us that you never got to because <laughs> it's only put there for the DM to read? To which I would tearfully say, yes, thank you. <laughs> because it, it was every time. And so they, they've done that again here in, in really fine fashion. I mean, Absalom itself, I mean, it's, it's where the calendar of Galarian comes from. AR is Absalom Reckoning, right? And so the, the city itself is nearly 5,000 years old. There's a ton of history there. And a lot of it is really questionable history because, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> where there is stuff like that there's also a lot of room for them to expound on okay well there have been four gods that have happened because of the city that absalom was founded around and in fact a long time ago it, it wasn't even called absalom it was you know the the isle of something it started with a k i don't remember <laughs> all of this lore that has been sort of put in other various places throughout Paizo's time, in various uh, in modules, in various other source books, is now all sort of coalesced into this one book. And, I mean, really, if if you want to build your own story in Galarian, this is absolutely one of the best places to start. It's fun seeing how they've maintained stuff, even from the very first published module, Rise of the Rune Lords. One of the big things that was spoilers for a... 12, 13, 14-year-old path, I guess. One of the sections there was about the Skinsaw murders. Well, um, Skinsaw Man is a thing 
dedicated to Norborger, who is a god of greed, basically, who was one of those mortals raised to ascension by the Starstone. That lore has maintained throughout 15 years across editions of Pathfinder because they do such a good job of continuity. There's so much here that's just tied into every part of the setting. Like, if if you're enthusiastic about the Galarian setting, there's a ton to enjoy here. If you're just getting into the setting, th- this is probably a really good place to start because Absalom is so central to the setting. Like Random said, the Starstone, uh, it's this weird meteor thing that has produced four of Galarian's deities, and it's entombed in this, like, dungeon thing in Absalom, and you can just go into the dungeon, and if you make it to the Starstone, you become a god. It's great, but only four people have ever done it, so it's kind of a big deal. Even that has a ton of lore in the book. Like, there's a cult around people who attempt and fail the trial of the Starstone, and there's a shrine outside, and there's this little club that attends to encourage people to take the challenge, and every little thing is expanded upon in just minute, excruciating detail. And every, like, every page you go to, you'll see the name of a bunch of NPCs, and you'll wonder, who are all of these people? And flip to the last section of the book, and there's 120 pages of named NPCs of various importance. And it's this beautifully diverse cast of different races and ethnicities and genders and diverse in every possible sense of the word that there's an automaton, which has lived in Absalom for like well over a thousand years. There's a lot here. Yeah. So I, I, my dictionary word for the day that I learned was uh, apotheosis, which is the, the, process of uh, being deified uh, becoming a deity and so you're talking about yeah like four different folks have become a deity by touching the starstone or by surviving the test of the starstone it seems there's some ambiguity about what the test actually is right my favorite little piece of this that i took away and i don't know if this is like old pathfinder one history or if this is new absalon history um have you heard of kaden kellyan yes yes okay his, his story of passing it is famous and has been there for the whole time it's okay. amazing yeah, it's, it's fantastic. So I want to share because they, right, they, they brought this out in the book, and it was one of those, I want to know more about this. He's called the uh, lucky drunk or the accidental god because apparently while he was drunk, a friend bet him to take the test. So he went and took the test and came out like three days later, and they were like, what would you do? I don't know, but I'm a god now. <laughs> yep. Um, I don't know. He sounds like Rudolph. It's weird. That story uh, has been around in Galarian for a long time, and it's it's wonderful. One of the other, as, as Tyler was talking about a lot of the little details, one of the things that I really enjoyed is they talk about the different smells of the different districts, and they call out street food. And they actually call out, like, there's a a couple pages just talking about where does all of the food for Absalom come from? So just, like, as we had talked about that that food episode back, um, you know, for Thanksgiving, seeing them talk about that and pay it a decent amount of attention and respect was really cool. All of the things that we had talked about where food is a great way to showcase culture, just those two pages provided a huge quantity of all of these different things they have these you know each district has its own different food stall vendors the you know there's a ton of stuff being imported to satisfy the you know the random desires of the nobles all that stuff so i really enjoyed see yeah i think it'd be an interesting episode at some point to go through and talk through like if you take a setting book like this 
how do you use it to create your story? I think that would be a fun episode. We should do that. Yeah. So if, if you're a person building campaigns in Pathfinder 2, this really does feel like an amazing resource. I definitely think it's worth uh, grabbing. Um, I guess we'll have links in the show notes to be able to go grab it. And we appreciate it if you do. All right. So I guess the the next thing that we want to talk about, there have been a few details that have come out about Monsters of the Multiverse. Yes. So a YouTube channel called Nerd Immersion got some leaked photos of the contents of Mordenkainen's Monsters of the Multiverse. He's been pretty good about leaks on past source books. He was the first one to identify the name of Fizban's Treasury of Dragons and a couple other things before that. Uh, he must have some inside source, but basically he got cell phone photos of the contents of the book. So those have been shared around the internet. The original source is the Nerd Immersion YouTube channel, so go check out his videos on the subject. But we got from those leaks a bunch of details on what's going to be in the book. So the book releases on January 25th, if you're listening oh, to this. Wait, we, we got a lot of details, allegedly. Allegedly, yes. <laughs> Assuming that the photos aren't elaborately faked, yes. <laughs> yeah. So the book releases in the Rules Expansion gift set on January 25th, 2022, and we just found out that the release date for the standalone book isn't until May 17th, 2022, so there's a four-month wait period before we can get the book outside of the gift box. I'm salty about that, personally. Yeah, I mean, so let's let's really highlight. So what's in the gift box? It's uh, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, it's Monsters of the Multiverse, and it is Xenathar's Guide to... Yeah, everything. Oh, yeah. You know, I never actually put it together. I was I was about to say everything again, but that doesn't feel right. Okay, here we are. <laughs> yeah. If you're a person when these source books come out or, or this black books come out that you go and you buy them, now the only way that you can purchase this is if you buy two books that you've already bought to get another book that you're probably pretty excited about. And and even Monsters of the Multiverse, it's going to be Tomophos plus Volo's Guide to Monsters plus new additional content. Yeah. And so if you already have those two books, it's actually four books you already have crammed into three books, two of which are exactly books you already have. Yeah, they're reprinting 33 races, which have appeared in previous supplements. So that includes stuff going all the way back to the Elemental Evil Player Companion, which was published as a PDF in like the first year of 5e's lifespan. All of the races that are being reprinted in the book got rules updates, so they are different to some degree from what's in existing books. Like it, it varies wildly in scope, the changes, and we'll we'll talk about that more next week once the book is actually out. There are some new monsters in the book that that I managed to identify from squinting at the table of contents pictures that were leaked. I saw a bunch of monsters that have been brought back from previous editions, like the Iron Cobra and a couple of other things. And then there are... Well, we knew about this one going in. We knew that they were going to reprint a lot of the Spellcaster stat blocks, which have appeared previously, to use the new Spellcaster format that they're using starting in uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight. So instead of having actual spells for attacks... Spellcaster will have spell-like actions that do something similar to a spell, but you don't have to figure out a whole spell list to run the monster. 
some new stuff, a lot of reprints. Everything's been updated to the new format and the new races and the new way that races are going to work. But yeah, it, it it does feel very frustrating to buy the gift set for two books that you might already have and reprints of a bunch of stuff that you might have from other books. Now, that being said, I guess our intuition for this is that they want to make, you know, the original three books plus these three books, like that's the quote unquote, the new core rule set for 5e, right? It's the rules expansion. So they, they put out a new core rule book gift set in, I want to say December, I'm forgetting the timeline, but it's alternate covers for all the core rule books and a DM screen in a box. And then this is the expansion to that box. So for people who are relatively new to the game, who want to go beyond the core rules, this is a great option. It's again, frustrating for people who've been buying every book that has come out since the start of the edition, but wizards of the coast does do a really good job of making things accessible to new players. And one of the biggest criticisms of previous editions was if you come into the edition five or six years in, there's like 50 books and you don't know what to buy. So now it's it's clearer for newer players. Yeah, and I, I do. I definitely see the value in that. I want to go back and highlight. I, I know you said this, but I want to reiterate reiterate it. So the gift set with the three books is going to be available January 25th. And then let me count my months. Uh, February, March, April, May. Four months later the standalone book will be able to buy, uh, be available to be purchased both as a physical book and as a digital with D&D Beyond. Correct. And so in May, for folks who like to use D&D Beyond, I know I love it, being able to pop into D&D Beyond and get this content, that's not going to be available till May. So there's going to be this awkward time period where maybe one person in your party has the book and there might be certain content in it that isn't in any of the other four books that we talked to that are, that are going into this. And so we're going to have to figure that out. That's going to be fun conversations, either sharing content or... One of the things that I think is going to be particularly awkward here is uh, people who do participate in Adventures League, because if you want to use any of these races that are reprinted, taking your um, Mordenkainen's Monsters of the Multiverse as your plus one at Adventures League, as a reminder, your character options can come from the Player's Handbook plus one other source book often referred to as PHP plus one. If you're taking this book when maybe you're DM, because of course DMs are often the people who buy a lot of these books for their groups, and so they are already likely to have two, maybe all four of the books that are in this gift set, they're very unlikely to buy that. So like, is this a thing where you're all of a sudden like, okay, I I need to go buy this this set that duplicates a lot of stuff that my group already has so that I can share this? Is this a thing where I'm going to show up with this new race because I did buy this book because I want it and my DM has never seen it before? And so then we have to have the conversation about like, uh, oh, well, you know, DM bans Yonti Pureblood at their table. And you're like, okay, but it's balanced now. Can I be a Yanti because I like the flavor? And, you know, DM says, uh, no, my evil is law. And suddenly I'm <laughs> Samurai Jack. <laughs> this disparity of information, I could see playing a lot of havoc with the organized play. I don't think there's a good answer for that. I mean, apart from just remind people, be more open and, and be willing to share, if, especially if somebody does have that content. But that's that's one of the more awkward places that I see this going. I, I can actually imagine them doing something where they say it's instead of PHP plus one, it becomes six plus one. You can draw from 
the the rule set plus the expanded rule set, and we will still let you take a plus one from something else. That might alleviate some of this concern, right? We should probably double check on the Adventurers League rules. I haven't looked at them super recently, so we may be out of date on the PHP plus one if they've changed that. I know that they did recently change things, so new characters start at level five now, which... Uh, Good for yeah. them. <laughs> well, yeah, if you've been in Adventurers League forever, that's got to feel really nice. I don't know how... I don't know how that fares with new players, but that's a whole new episode. Mean, that's a whole separate episode. We should talk to someone who's running Adventurers League. Yeah, we'll, we'll go incognito and see what, see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, so we won't be able to correct the podcast, but we will have linked in the show notes uh, a link to the Adventurers League rules. Uh, and if you care and want to be correct, go read. Okay. Uh, and then we have the 2022 convention circuit. Uh, we're We're almost there. Let's uh, let's get some ground rules in place that I think apply to basically all of these conventions. Uh, one, if you're able to, get vaccinated. It's a great idea. It's good for you, good for people around you. Let's be very clear. RPGbot.podcast supports vaccination. Yes. If you're allowed, if you're able. Wear a mask. Masks are great. First up in the convention core, uh, I've got great news. Uh, the whole gang is going to be there. We're going to have some random. We're going to have some Tyler. We're going to have some producer Dan. And you're going to have me too. GaryCon, March 24th to March 27th in Lake Geneva, not Switzerland, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. That makes more sense. Uh, yes, we're very excited. We're going to be there in person. We're all vaccinated and packing masks. And we're we're looking forward to seeing some people in person and maybe playing some games and eating a lot of cheese. Also Broadwurst. Also Broadwurst. Three out of four folks on the RPG podcast recommend Broadwurst. <laughs> I am the ninth dentist. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, the right. tenth dentist, right? Uh, yeah. Well, actually, zero indexing. Ninth's fine. It's great. Um, yeah. So GaryCon, what's GaryCon about? So GaryCon is named for Gary Gygax, co-creator of Dungeons and Dragons. It's hosted by Luke Gygax and uh, with the assistance of Gary's other kids, Ernie and Laura. So this is a convention regularly attended by Gary's friends and family and old names in the world in and around D&D. So like these are old hats from TSR. Uh, people who were part of the game in its earliest days, some big name game designers. I know they're like Frog God Games and Cobalt Press are going to be there. The attendees list looks pretty cool, and there's some really exciting panels that I'm looking forward to. So I, I think it's going to be a really good time, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, I think GaryCon's supposed to be pretty family friendly as well, and the Lake Geneva area is certainly family family friendly. Uh, there's honestly there's a lot to do in that area. And so, yeah, if you're thinking about taking a weekend trip or you want to get away and you're, you know, not so far that it's insane, come. Uh, and if it is so far away that it's insane, then you should buy a plane ticket. You should still come. Uh, well, and speaking of plane tickets, so the next one up, uh, substantially closer to home for myself, RPG Bot Tyler, and producer Dan, PaizoCon going to be taking place May 27th through May 30th uh, here in the uh, Seattle, Washington area. And if... There's enough pressure on uh, amateur Jack over here to come join us from his faraway land of much closer to Lake Geneva than maybe he shows up to. But PaizoCon is wonderful. This is all about Pathfinder, Pathfinder 2. There's definitely a few other you know folks who attend, but expect this to be very Pathfinder-heavy. Lots of good talk about Galarian. Maybe even if you are one of those people who was 
interested in the Absalom section of the earlier part of this news podcast, uh, we will see you there. So that'll be a good time. I'm told that there will also be some Starfinder, which is, uh, if, if you're not familiar, it's Paizo's science fantasy setting. It's basically Galarian in space. Yeah. More laser guns. Very yeah. exciting. <laughs> nice. Uh, then we, we come back to, to my side of the country. Uh, so we have Gen Con Indy. Uh, Indy is in Indiana, not Indy is in Indy Gaming. Maybe Indy is in Indianapolis, which is the polis in Indiana, uh, a.k.a. their largest city and the only one that any of you can name. Yeah, Unless you live in Gary. Indiana. <laughs> okay, we don't, we don't talk about Gary. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, and if you live in Gary, I'm sorry. <laughs> not because I've offended you, I'm just sorry. Anyway, here we go. Uh, <laughs> so Gen Con in, uh, yeah, Gen Con in Indy. Uh, yes, Gen Con will be August 4th through 7th. It is widely regarded as the best four days in gaming. At least that's their that's their tagline. Uh, it is a massive convention, typically, and I'm excited to see it coming back from COVID. And hopefully, hopefully by August, things will have settled down and everybody will be healthy and vaccinated and stuff. But, you know, take precautions, get vaccinated, wear pants, wear a mask, uh, and then hopefully... Gen Con will be wonderful, but uh, I, I, I guess we, we should say get get vaxxed if you can. We understand certain folks can't uh, wear pants if you can. Some folks can't. <laughs> Centaurs mostly. Um, <laughs> and then so where do they go? I don't know. <laughs> right, back half, bottom half. Uh, so traveling back to the West Coast, best coast, um, you get to Pax West, uh, or you know Pax Prime if you are a fogey and from the area where this is definitely more of a games overall convention, but if you are a longtime listener, you will remember that PAX West was actually the first news episode, basically, that we ever did. We will almost certainly be back. It was a great time last time, uh, and we will be very happy to explore and and see, and hopefully with the... If you remember, we sort of found this, or well, I guess last year's PAX to be a little bit barren, uh, because it seemed like a lot of places were surprised that PAX was actually happening. So maybe with the understanding that PAX will probably be happening this year, we will get to see more of the bigger names. Yeah, we definitely missed big names. Uh, Paizo and Watsi were both conspicuously absent from PAX West last year, so I'm hoping that they make a return this year. I still had a lot of fun, but I didn't know any better, and I feel like that was <laughs> the best situation to be in. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That, of course, is Labor Day weekend, which is... These specific dates are a little bit shifty, but if you just go look up when Labor Day weekend is, it's that one. It, it always is. They, they're they're still saying dates to be announced on the website, but yeah, it has been Labor Day weekend every single PAX West. Yeah, one of these years, the convention uh, convention center is like going to kick them out of it or something like this. <laughs> well, it, it's always weird. So uh, this is the same weekend that Seattle hosts its enormous music convention, Bumbershoot, and so you just have this enormous influx of two. Very different crowds of people coming into Seattle at the same time, one occupying the convention center and one occupying Seattle center. And boy, when they cross, that is a good time. Thinking about the, or like the convention center getting booked for something different. If anybody's an NFL fan, I want to say it was like this last draft year. Um, they always do their draft at Radio City Music Hall. It was just, they forgot to book it. <laughs> forgot to book what? it. <laughs> and, and then... It got booked for something else, and they're like, hey, but no, we always – it's like it's the pancake breakfast. We do this every year, and, and they were like, nah, go you know, figure something out. Uh, I say that I say, cross your fingers, Labor Day weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the next one, I guess I'm going to introduce it, and then I'm going to say, what is this? Game Hole Con, October 20th to 23rd, 
Where does this happen? So I don't know a ton about Gamehole Con, unfortunately. It's in Madison, Wisconsin, and it's running from October 20th through 23rd. So this has become an increasingly big convention in the tabletop gaming space just in the past few years. Like last year, all of the online discussions immediately afterward were either some combination of, man, I wish I had gone to Gamehole Con, or I went to Gamehole Con and it was amazing. I'm hoping it's another great showing this year, and maybe at some point in the future we'll get to attend in person. Uh, but it looks great, and if you're in the area, definitely check it out. Which, which again, for you know, I'll say for both Lake Geneva for GaryCon as well as Madison for GameholeCon, like they're really cool areas. There's a lot to do. Um, the food is really good, also deep fried. <laughs> no, there's 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 a ton to do. And within that area, there's a lot of like family family friendly areas. So there's indoor water parks and there's you know festival rides, this sort of thing. So yeah, it's a cool place to be. You should you should go. We should go. We, we should, should go. <laughs> we'll see if we can make it happen. Okay. All right. So so the last one we have on the schedule here to talk about is PAX Unplugged, which is PAX West is games in general, but mostly video games. PAX Unplugged is almost exclusively not video games. Uh, it does take place on the East Coast, which is tragically not within driving distance of my house. But, <laughs> but I think your wife would beg to differ, but that's a... <laughs> she would, yes. Yeah, PAX Unplugged is a great tabletop gaming convention put on this by the same people who run all of the other PAX conventions. They're good folks. Usually the Acquisitions Incorporated game gets played there once, and it's a good time. Uh, I don't think we have dates on that one, and I haven't followed PAX Unplugged closely enough to know when they usually happen, but it's generally like the second week of December. No, perfect. And so with that, uh, start getting, yeah, you know, if if you're in a situation where you think you could make, make it to some of these, um, start getting them on your calendar. Start thinking about it. Keep an eye out for when tickets pop out. And who knows, maybe at some of these, uh, we might be able to meet you. I think that'd be pretty exciting. All right, I think that's it for this RPGBot.news. Uh, we appreciate it. We hope you enjoy it. We'll have a regular episode coming out, and then I think our next news episode, we should be talking about Morningkainen's Monsters of the Multiverse. See you, folks. If your friend tries to pee on you and you're wearing jeans, but they're not wearing jeans, your friend pees on you. But if we're both wearing jeans, you pee on me less. So if you want to see RPGBot.podcast at the conventions... Don't pee on me. Flawless. <laughs> Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.